This episode of The Static Traveller is sponsored by Travel Fantasies 473. Travel Fantasies 473 is a fully qualified, regulated and fully covered ABTA member with over 25 years experience in the travel industry. Do you need help finding the right holiday destination? Maybe for a honeymoon, family vacation, cruises, a romantic weekend away, just flights or just hotels and even car hire. Travel Fantasies 473 is partnered with major holiday suppliers which makes it easier for you to choose the best deal that suits your needs. You can also visit their website to book directly www.waltrudbonzu.intel.travel.uk slash booktravel.cfm The link will be in the description for this episode. If you can't find what you're looking for on their website, contact them directly. You can do this via their Facebook page or by email. Travel Fantasies 473 at yahoo.com. And don't forget to use the special promo code given to me by my friends over at Travel Fantasies 473, the Static Traveller. That promo code will give you access to the best discounts available when you book directly over Facebook or via email with our friends over at Travel Fantasies 473 where they really do look forward to finding the best holiday for you. Now that that's done, why don't we move on with the show? Hello and welcome to The Static Traveller with me, James. Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of The Static Traveller, the podcast where I speak to travellers of the past and the present from around the globe and I let them tell you, in their own words, about their adventures throughout this amazing world. Today's guest is Craig Craw. Craig is originally from my hometown of Falkirk in Scotland. He's a 25-year-old stand-up comedian and a poker player who currently lives in Hanoi, Vietnam. Hello Craig. Hello there, James. Thank you for inviting me on the podcast. No, absolutely. Um, so why don't you give yourself an introduction to everyone that's listening uh, and tell them a little bit about yourself and, and yeah. Yeah, so certainly I, I grew up in the Falkirk area of Scotland. Uh, I stayed there for uh, until I was about 24 years old. And then when I was 24, I decided to move to Asia. Yes, and I have been... Uh, spending my time mostly in Thailand, but I have now decided to relocate to Vietnam for the time being. And I play online poker uh, to pay the bills, but I have a real passion for stand-up comedy, and that's what I be I uh, have been spending a lot of time on over the past sort of uh, fourteen months or so that I have been living in Asia. Perfect. So, what? What was it that made you say, you know, a 24-year-old, I don't want to be in Scotland anymore, I'm going to go to Asia? Well, I had initially uh, thought about maybe relocating to Central Europe, maybe uh, Germany, Austria, the Czech Republic, that part of the world. Um, I knew that I wanted to leave Scotland because 
I, you know, I just spent 24 years of my life on the planet and you only get what, 85, 90 years if everything goes perfect. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it's like I needed to, I needed to see the rest of the world, man. And, uh, especially because um, a lot of my friends who are getting into the mid twenties were kind of uh, deciding that they were going to really look to settle down maybe meet someone probably from the same sort of hometown area that they were from, um, you know, save up a deposit for a mortgage and get a house within 20 miles of where they grew up. And, you know, I, I just didn't want that life for myself. So I just had to yeah. run away. So, you know, what, what was it that made you want to go out and travel? What was it, you know, was it, was it the comedy you wanted to do? Was it just something you wanted to do away from here? Oh, or was it the fact of, you know, you just wanted to travel and then you found comedy? Well, I had done comedy uh, in Scotland for a couple of years when I was like 18 or 19, I think. But then I decided to give it up to focus on getting good at online poker, which was uh, that became my main passion at that time of my life. And uh, when I got to 24, as I said, I I really just decided that I, I wanted to travel. And luckily, I was doing online poker. And when you do online poker, you can uh, play it in lots of parts of the world and that can help fund uh, fund your travels, which is yeah. uh, ideal, obviously. <laughs> so, before you you know you can attain off, you saying you know you done a bit of stand up here in, in Scotland. Yes. Did you did you work before you know what did you kind of do for work before you you went? I've only ever played online poker. Oh really? Yes, I've never had okay. a job. <laughs> um. So did you do that right from from school then, or did yes. you do that? Okay. Um, so did you find it hard when you you know when you were in Scotland and you were deciding to make that move? Did you find it hard to leave you know your family and things like that behind? And I mean, well, uh, of course there is that uh, uh, the the feeling of uh, leaving them behind that does creep on you, but then you uh, inject the logic of you know we're just living in the most uh, sort of technologically advanced time uh, in human history. You know, you can well, my parents, yeah, they're on the other side of the world, but at the same time they're merely uh, a phone call away. You know. If I ever really wanted to speak to them, it wouldn't be uh, hard to get in contact with them. And you've got to think about all the people that decided to go on big travel adventures during the 80s and 90s when we just didn't have that kind of technology. And they still, uh, you know, they still went out there and got after it and saw yeah. what they wanted to see. So when it came to, to, you know, initially taking that step of traveling, was there anything that you found, you know, difficult, anything that kind of stood in your way from making that leap or, you know, was um well yes i mean there's obviously the fear of doubt like uh there's the fear of doubt that uh i'm going to go to asia and i'm going to absolutely hate it because i had never been to asia before i hadn't all i've heard was from uh, other people's experiences you know i didn't i knew that i was going to be there for a long time or at least my plan was so I, the big scare the only thing i was really afraid of was going there hating it and then have having to just buy a plane ticket back to scotland you know with my uh you know tail between my legs telling my family that i you know i'm back now even though i told them that i was going to be away for a while but uh yeah it's been 14 months that i have been here and it's been uh leaving scotland to move to asia is without question the best decision of my life so far so yeah okay and what what would you you know how would you put it to people that are maybe sitting here you know wanting to make that jump wanting to you know move or 
you know, just leave everything behind and go. You know, how would you say to them, you know, it's okay? How, you know, how would you convince them? Okay, well, uh, what I would say to these people is that you shouldn't be scared. You, you shouldn't be scared of what's out there, and you should really realize that uh, you have uh, an opportunity to really uh, uh, do something that the vast majority of people in the world cannot do. You know, take, don't don't feel bad that you got lucky and you were born in a country where people make you know two thousand pounds a month on average and they can afford plane tickets and you know they can afford to see other parts of the world. But you uh, inject the logic that you know there's parts of the world like for here uh, in Vietnam, for example, the average wage in Vietnam is about two hundred pounds a month. So these people cannot afford to go and travel to Europe and all the rest of it. And Europeans. Uh, people from the rich part of the world, they have the opportunity to go and see these other parts of the world. Uh, And so my advice would be, do not fear what's out there. Do not fear the unknown, but take advantage of being blessed with the opportunity that other people just don't have. Yeah, I mean, that's the perfect message, I suppose, when you look at it like that. Um, So, you know, predominantly, this is a a travel podcast. Obviously, there's other things that we'll talk about as well. Um, So, Back home in Scotland, you know what? What was your first holiday as as, as a child? You know what can you remember the first yeah, place? My, well, my first holiday as a child was going to Florida with my parents and sisters. That was uh, yeah. I cannot remember it too well because I think I was five years old at the time. But uh, I can remember uh, vividly uh, going on a certain. Uh, it's not a roller coaster. What what do you call those? Um, what do you call those rides that uh, are like vertical up and down? All the time. Oh, kind of like the the Pepsi Max kind of thing. Uh, maybe you go you go up and then it's, it just drops you down and brings you back. Yeah. up and drops you down again. I can't remember what they're called, but I yeah, know I know what you're talking vertical, about. Like yeah, the... vertical, vertical drops or whatever. I can remember yeah. being on this vertical drop, a vertical drop, and not really realizing what I was getting strapped into, thinking <laughs> this is going to be a, a very child friendly ride or whatever, and then just getting the fright of my life and uh, uh, crying very, very uh, heavily during the ride and for several hours after, apparently, according to my parents. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that, that's the one thing that I remember most about my first ever holiday away. So was that Disneyland that you went to? Yeah, then, it was. It? I, I, can, I, I believe the, the ride, I'm not sure if it is around now, but it was called uh, T- Tower of Terror. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that one, yep. yeah. Yeah, that was myself, what it was. I've heard of it. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned there you've got, you know, mum and dad and you've got, is it, Sisters, you said as well. Yeah, sisters Stephanie and Kimberly. Yeah. So, do you stay in contact with them quite a lot? You know. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, well, uh, actually, uh, tomorrow my sister, uh, sister Stephanie and Kimberly are flying in to Hanoi to visit me. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that they were coming until uh, two weeks ago, where they FaceTimed me out of the blue, asking me what to bring, what not to bring, visa requirements, vaccinations they'll need, and I said, guys, look. The most important thing that you need to know is that I'd rather you didn't come. So why is it, why is that? Well, that was actually well. Fuck. Uh, I was expecting a laugh there. <laughs> Can we do this again? No, I'm kidding on. But uh, I do that. I do that bit at stand up all the time. And uh, yeah, that's like. I mean, I'm not. Uh, I'm not a huge like super 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 like. Uh, what's the word? Not extrovert, but like I'm not a huge like people person kind of thing. Okay. Like I don't like being in big groups and stuff. 
So like, see that? Uh, I find that confusing for being a comedian. No, that, well, the good thing is that when you go uh, when you're a comedian, you're on stage on your own all the time. So you, you've got that barrier between you and other people, and all you have to do is make people laugh, and then you can just get the hell off stage and then go do something else, which is what I usually do. <laughs> Like I'm not a big. I don't usually stay and socialize very much when I do gigs. I usually just I do I perform, and then uh, I usually just head out, get a grab bike back to my apartment, and go read a book or something. All right. Okay. Yeah. So you've got family coming out tomorrow, then. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, and so I, you and are actually looking forward to them. I am, I am excited out. to see them. I just want to say, <laughs> I am. I, I hope if they listen to this, uh, I do. I am expecting you to be here, and I'm going to be very happy to see you. So you need to just buy them something extra special. Aye, yeah, God. <laughs> um, oh, I was going to say something there. It's just when I mean. yeah, I totally interrupted you. But I'm very, I'm very. No, no, no. Because that 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 <laughs> just completely bombed with you, and it's probably going to be that awkward silence is going to be in the podcast forever, man. <laughs> but that's what that's what people will find funny. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so. With with the you know with them coming out just now uh, you know we current issues that are ongoing with you know coronavirus and things like that is, is that going on you know is that is there a lot of that out in Hanoi like, you know no yeah that's the thing like uh so there's um I don't know eighty thousand or so uh cases in China right now or confirmed cases in China Hanoi is two hundred miles away from the Chinese border right. We have uh, the whole of the whole of uh, Vietnam has had seventeen confirmed cases. Seventeen. That's less than UK. That's less than Germany. Less than Italy, yeah. America, whatever. And uh, yeah, there was actually one confirmed case in Hanoi yesterday. But yeah, nobody's panicking. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's a non-issue. But Vietnam are just especially good at dealing with these things now. They're just so prepared to be. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's because of their history of just being. You know. Uh, you know all all the horrible history that's happened to Vietnam over the past sort of 60 70 years they're more prepared for these kind of crises than other countries so yeah they're doing a really good job with the resources and, that they have and you know is it is it when i think of vietnam i think of you know like backpackers like you know like i don't i don't think of like you know how like we scotland or major cities that kind of thing you know we've got big buildings everywhere i, I don't I don't think of that, and and I know there's going to be an element of that in in Vietnam, but you know I just kind of see simple sim, simplicity. You know I don't I don't think of you know I don't even think of like you know stand up in Vietnam. You know I, I just think when when I first seen that and that's kind of what you do, I was like wow, you know that must be really difficult. You know because obviously there's a language barrier, but then also I think you know the amount of people that are backpacking out there. Or traveling out there, you know, you're going. You're always going to have an audience because there's always a new influx of people, and they're never there for long. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, first of all, uh, that's the thing. Uh, uh, when you don't go to these places, all you all uh, and like all your information of these uh, cities is like what you hear from other people. You get here, and you're so surprised to see some of the uh, some of the architecture that is here. Some of it is, uh, you know, there are, there are skyscrapers in Hanoi, certainly not as much as there are in Bangkok. But yeah, it's not this idea that uh, these Southeast Asian cities are all very underdeveloped uh, is certainly not true. Now, that's not to say that these are like, 
these cities are comparable in their sort of um, architecture or, or, or opulence to like London or New York or whatever. But you, you would definitely, uh, it would uh, surprise a lot of people who uh, haven't been to this part of the world to see just uh, some of the buildings and some of the, uh, some of the scenes that you will see here. Yeah. But uh, as far as the um, the comedy question, uh, one uh, certainly one thing that uh, a lot of people don't know about is that you know these cities have thousands and thousands of expats, not like not just travelers or backpackers, but just like people from the Western world that have just decided to live here, like for one reason or another, whether it's to teach English, maybe it was to get away from their home countries. Like there's a lot of uh, in Hanoi specifically, there is a lot of South Africans, like white South Africans here, and they live here. A lot of them live here and they teach English or they do whatever. And a lot of that is because of the problems that are happening in South Africa right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for, for, a, for a destination, you know, if I was to say to my wife, you know, let, let's go to Vietnam. The first thing I would be hesitant with is taking my little girl. And I don't know why I've got that hesitation but I just don't see it in my head as somewhere that you could really, you know, go with mm. a child. You know? I see, I see, I see parents with kids uh, all the time. It's honestly, uh, I would say uh, you must have heard uh, the sort of um, the stereotype or the the saying that Thailand is the land of smiles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Vietnam, very, very similar. Like the people here that you meet here are so much more. Um, friendly and welcoming than what you would ever expect them to be especially when you go to like uh, these touristy destinations in spain or whatever like it's kind of like biz- like it's just like a they're friendly on a business level but in places like thailand vietnam people are very friendly and very welcoming just because they want to be because it's in their heart and they're just very kind people you know but uh, yeah, yeah as far as you can say um, there's no like there's very very little like street violence or anything like that in in this part of the world it's a very very safe um very safe place to be obviously there is like uh, in these parts of the world there is like a level of poverty that just does not exist in the uk so um when you're in the tourist areas especially definitely uh zip your phone up in a in your front pocket or something like that but as far as like uh worried about anything bad happening to your little girl you you know you don't really have that uh you shouldn't really be worried about that it's very very I, I don't think it's anything about you know i've not got a fear of of anything happening to her it's more of a i just don't see it as like a family vacation place i mean uh well i mean i don't know like i don't i'm not a family man myself but Honestly, like the things, uh, I, I if you took your daughter to Vietnam, I think she would just like, it would just be like going to a different world for her, as, and for yeah. you and your wife as well. Like, uh, you'll 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 have foods here that you've never tried before. You'll see things that you've never seen before. You'll. I think you know, it would be more of an, an experience for me. When my wife, yeah. she's she's done a bit of um, a bit of Asia travel. She's travelled yeah. in Asia, sorry. So oh, she. Perfect used to go out, you know, for a couple of months at a time uh, to Thailand. Oh, nice. Um, don't ask me where it was, but um, I just know that she's, you know, she's done that, and she's done that, you know, over a, a consecutive period of a couple of years. Nice. Um, so she's she's had, you know, that experience. And mm. um, I think that for me, that's, you know, it's definitely one place I want to go. And, you know, she keeps on saying that somewhere we need to go, we need to go, we need to go. But then I I, I've you, got yeah. that hesitation of, I mean, again... You know, it's not a place for my daughter, kind of thing. 
I mean, uh, I mean, once this whole Corona outbreak kind of uh, dies down a bit, once things settle with this, yeah, I would honestly recommend it so much because it's just like it's such a much more of a, a cultural. Ex- it'll be such a cultural uh, experience for her. Like it's uh, much rather than going to Spain or whatever, because she's gonna like like I said, she's gonna see and experience uh, new things, new ways of life, and ways that she just hasn't before, and that will yeah. be very enriching for a, a young mind, I would think. Absolutely. So, I mean, how long have you been traveling now? You know, uh, I mean, I guess I wouldn't call myself a traveler per se, but uh, I just I'm more of a nester. Do you know what I mean? I just go to a place and then I just live there for like a few months or whatever before I decide to hop somewhere else. So I I had initially uh, flew to Chiang Mai, Thailand in the north. And I stayed there for about four months. But the problem with Chiang Mai is that it's only got 400,000 people. And when you want to be a comedian in Chiang Mai, you get maybe one or two nights where you can do uh, some stand-up comedy for people at, at most so I, I I knew then that I just had to move down to the big cities, and so I moved down to Bangkok, um, okay. and I stayed there as my base for like seven months or so. But uh, so when you move to Asia, unless you get a proper work visa, your only um, your only sort of uh, options would be to get uh, the three month tourist visa, or no, it's actually no. rather for Thailand, it's a two month visa that you then uh, extend to three months. Oh, sorry, Craig, you just went there. I don't know what happened there, but you just kind of... All right, uh, I'll start again. So um, uh, so I initially moved to Chiang Mai, Thailand, and I stayed there for about four months. But the problem with living in Chiang Mai, Thailand, is that Chiang Mai only has about 400,000 people. And so when you want to do comedy... That just wasn't the city I needed to be in because it's like a much smaller population and there's much less opportunity to get on a microphone and perform in front of people. So I had to move to Bangkok where I got a lot of stage time uh, there. And I stayed there for about six or seven months as making that my home base. And yes, uh, well, the thing with uh, living in Thailand is that if you want to do this, uh, you need to... Uh, the, the only real way of living here, unless you get a, like a proper work visa, which I wasn't on, is to get a two-month tourist visa and then extend it to three months while you are in Thailand. But then, when that before that three-month uh, period uh, finishes, you need to leave the country, and then while you're in another country, you need to then reapply for a, another tourist visa to go back in. If you can follow that, so yeah, while absolutely. I was while I had left Thailand uh, to do the what's known as the visa run, I went to <laughs> Vietnam, and okay. I went to Vietnam. Uh, I went to Saigon initially, and yeah, I had a very good time. I really and really liked Vietnam, and so uh, and I did that two or three times, like as my visa runs to Vietnam, uh, twice to Saigon, and then once to Hanoi. And then mm-hmm. when I decided that it was time to get out of Bangkok, I decided to move to Hanoi, which is where I am now. And uh, when you go to uh, Vietnam, you don't have to extend a two-month visa to a three-month visa while you're in the country. They just give you a three-month visa, which is... So ideal. how does it work? 
where you're living? You know, do you just kind of stay in a hotel? Do you stay in like hostels? No, I got an apartment here. They they lease out like they. Uh, that's one of the nice things about Asia. There's so many uh, places that just do either three month leases or month to month leases, and it's very cheap as well. When I was, uh, this is one of the good benefits of living in Southeast Asia, especially when you uh, when you're pursuing some sort of. Uh, entrepreneurial or creative passion is that uh, it's significantly cheaper cost of living than back home like for example when i was living in chiang mai uh, i rented a studio apartment you know it had a perfectly nice bed nice work table a little bit of a, a little small couch and you know a bathroom with a toilet and hot water hot water and that uh, full studio apartment for the month was uh, the equivalent of 150 pounds rent a month whoa yes about <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, in Bangkok, it's significant, uh, a little bit uh, more expensive, and it's harder to find places that are that cheap. But uh, uh, my last apartment in Bangkok, I was paying four hundred pounds a month for a, a nice one bed, and before that, I was living in another studio, paying about two hundred and fifty pounds a month, and that's in the city. You know, that's that's not on the the uh, extreme outskirts or anything. That's right in the city, where everything's happening. But uh, so what's now, yeah. Oh, on you go. Sorry, on you go. Okay, but now, now that I'm, ha- I'm, I'm in Hanoi, uh, I've got a nice one-bedroom apartment with you know two bathrooms actually, and it's three hundred pounds a month. So, wow. so, so, what's the the plan for you? You know, you, how long are you planning to? St- are you you planning to stay out there? You know, that's it. You, you, no, you no, I, I think I think I've probably closed the Scotland chapter of my life, at least for now. Maybe I'll maybe I'll return there when I'm in my forties. But certainly at this point in my life, uh, there's you know a massive world out there, and I want to explore it. So what I'm probably going to do is I'll spend uh, maybe one more year in Asia, and hopefully in that time I'll get some like some sort of like enough material standard wise to like put on my own show like my own stand-up uh-huh. show just with my asia material and just get that out there maybe put it onto like a, a cd or like a, a digital album for people so that 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 uh all that sort of asia material can last forever even though i'll be outside of asia but my my i think uh, my next my next move uh in 2021 will probably be to new zealand i would think is where i'm okay. going to be heading brilliant so when when you're out, you know, in Vietnam, Thailand, do you get a lot of material from from what you're doing? You know, day yes, to day. Yes, that's the thing. You see, that's the thing. Uh, when you see, uh, even when you just walk outside here, the, you're never bored because you see so many things that you would never see. Like the very common thing you see is you see a family of four or five people all all squashed together on the one motorbike driving down the road. <laughs> yeah. Like so this. when when you when you're going out and about, you know, I know you're saying you're not a very people person, um, yeah. but do you, you know do you do a lot of stuff with groups? You know, because you know you're you're quite no you're quite new to Vietnam. You just moved there recently, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, so, I know I've got the uh, I've got a lot of friends here though. It's, that's that's one of the absolute biggest benefits of living in Asia, because um, because. The vast majority of people that live in Thailand and live in Vietnam are either Thai or Vietnamese, and they don't speak a very high level of English. The expat communities are so tight with each other and so welcoming to each other, and just yeah, happy to chat whenever they uh, whenever they see each other. It, it makes you feel uh, a lot less uh, isolated than than otherwise. Because like for example, if I was to move 
or if you were to move to like a city that you have no ties to, like if you and your family were just going to move to like Bristol or something, yeah. uh, for then you to build build a community, build like a circle of friends and stuff, it'd be very very difficult because like the sort of uh, I don't know, like the people just don't like interact with strangers that much when they go to places. Yeah. But uh, here it's uh, not not always the case, which I really like. I think you know what you're saying about interaction with strangers. I think a lot of that comes from from fear. You yeah, know, like, yeah, absolutely. But like, the thing is, you know, is that, yeah, uh, trust this person. You know, can I yeah. can I trust them? You know, absolutely. But I think uh, there's a certain level of respect between expats that uh, we have for each other because we know we're all out here, and uh, a lot of us came here for the same reasons. For so stand-up comedian. No, 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 not per se, but to, to run away from the Western world for whatever reason. So there's that kind of level of respect. See, your joke bombed to me, and then my joke just bombed to you. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. One more. Yeah, it's not easy. I'm telling you, it's, making people laugh isn't easy, James. No, oh, man. So, do you do a lot of touristy stuff when you're there? No. I'm no? gonna save it up for. Uh, I'm gonna save it up for uh, when my sisters get here. I think. Um, but yeah, as far as like jumping off of waterfalls and all that kind of stuff, like it's just not me. Like, uh, okay. uh, I'm like I'm pretty good at just integrating myself into a city and just getting straight to like um, straight into the sort of uh, expat lifestyle right away. Like as soon as I do move to another city, first thing I do get an apartment booked up for three months join the gym, you know, get into the routine of just living there as opposed to, like, seeing all the sights, per se. Yeah. So, I mean, how how long will it take your sisters to get there, travel-wise? Will they have left um, already? Uh, it's like, so there are, they might be in Bangkok right now. They, they initially uh, bought flights to Bangkok, thinking that I was still living there when I actually had just moved to Hanoi. So, uh, <laughs> yes, that's hilarious. Um, but so they're going to be spending a day and a half in Bangkok, I think. They might be there now, uh, and then tomorrow, I think they fly into Hanoi. So I'll right, see them okay. tomorrow night. So other than you know your stand-up comedy and and your your poker, uh, yeah. what else? What else does Craig do? You know, what's your other passions? Uh, yeah, well, I, I go to the gym. I read a lot of books. I. Uh, Again, I'm not a I'm not a super super uh, like adventurous kind of guy, honestly. But yeah, I write I write a lot of stand up, and I watch a lot of stand up as well. Like a lot of people on Netflix, they they watch um, you know, Stranger Things or uh, you know TV series and stuff. But I'm I'm very much all I do on Netflix is watch stand up specials from other comedians. Let's see, I've got right into stand up now, no. and good, it's perfect. Like. My my absolute favorite comedian right now is Bert Kreischer. Bert Kreischer, yeah, I've actually this is going to kill you, but I've never watched a single Bert Kreischer stand up. <laughs> Have you seen any any his material? No, I've seen him uh, uh, talk on the Joe Rogan podcast a couple of times, but I've just oh. never been. Him, yeah, now, and, now that you mention him, now that you mention him, I think I definitely will have to give him a try because I've had I've had other people talk about him as well, but I've just kind of passed it by. I don't know. He just looks too. Uh, I don't know. He looks like uh, I don't like these comedians that just make fat jokes all the time. He looks like the kind of guy that makes a lot of fat jokes. No, he, he's, he's such a storyteller. Really? 
that's oh, he, that's his niche. He, he's a storyteller, and right. just that's... some of the stories is just, you know, I can be sitting sometimes and like when I go into work, if I go in earlier, if I'm in, I'm in late, you know, I'll sit with some headphones in and, and just get my work done. And I found myself just sitting there sometimes, just you know, like uncontrollable, you know, pushing myself laughing, and, and it's just. It's the silliest things, and I think it's maybe you know. Like, he, he does stand up a lot with his shirt off, doesn't he? Yeah, that's. Yeah, I that think puts, that's me, that puts thing. me off seeing his material, man. Yeah, but um, yeah, maybe I will uh, give him a try. Him and uh, Tom Segura, they do a podcast. Yeah, uh, two beers, one cave. Mm-hmm. That as well. I mean, that. Do you prefer just, that to Joe Rogan? Oh, no, I, I like Joe Rogan as well. Good, um, I do as well. I subscribe to Joe Rogan. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder if he subscribes to me. <laughs> Probably not. Keep working until your uh, idols become your rivals, James. There you go. Um, so, in, t- in terms of comedy, yeah, you know how how did you get into stand up comedy? Uh, I got into stand up comedy when I was eighteen years old. Actually, I I messaged the stand comedy club in Edinburgh. Um. <laughs> saying, hey, I, I've never done stand-up before. I see you've got an open mic night. I'd like to do your Red Raw. Can I do five minutes of your show? I sent that email in, I think, August of 2012, maybe maybe, um, maybe July, and they got back to me saying, yeah, 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 we'll give you a five-minute spot in February of 2013. So, <laughs> yeah, big waiting list. But yeah, so that, after, th- yeah. after that, you know, did, did you do well or did you... Did you? I did okay, yeah, and that, that first gig I did okay, they invited me back for a few more gigs, and yeah, that it went well, like, I enjoyed doing stand-up and stuff, but I mean, I just had to focus on playing poker, because that's really where my where my passion was, and the problem with living in Falkirk is that when you do, uh, when you want to do stand-up, all, all, the, all the opportunities to get on a stand-up stage are all in Glasgow or Edinburgh, and so you'd need to take, you know, five, six hours out of your day, plus, you know, yeah. Ten fifteen quid to go and then perform in these uh um perform in these other cities, you know. Whereas when you move to the big cities, whether it's you know, London or Bangkok, Thailand, you can get uh you can get on a lot of mics that are very close to you. Yeah, so uh, I've always considered myself and and I'm I'm not being big headed and I'm I'm not being like I've always thought of myself as quite a funny person. Yeah. So oh, yeah. Like I, I've actually spoke about it recently with my wife and, and funnily enough stand-up. with people on my team at work about doing stand up. Oh wow, no, you should definitely try it. Definitely try it. Very few people I've I've met very, very few people who've who've uh who've tried stand up, done it, and then said that they regretted doing it. Oh really? Yeah, very, very few people. And I speak to a lot of like comics and former comics that tell me they've done it a few times. Uh none of them <coughs> none of them said they regret doing it. Some of them have stopped doing it for other reasons, but you know it's not something you you're gonna uh, look back and think I should have never have done that. What was I thinking? Thinking that I could make strangers laugh? <laughs> Lesson that no, I'm, you enjoy it. I'm gonna be give it a go, and then I'll get I'm getting in touch with you again and let you know how I get on. Fair play, man. Yeah, that'll be cool. <laughs> so you know, when you were growing up, did you always want to be a comedian? Uh, no, uh, wanted to be a poker player. So. I did that, and then, but now I'm thinking that I probably should be a comedian as well, because it's just one more thing that you can do 
uh, where you can get paid in different parts of the world for uh, while you're traveling. Like if you're a very, very good comedian and you just want to go and have a holiday in Australia or whatever, you can get in contact with people and they'll probably set up some uh, some nights for you to get on the stage. And then if you're good enough and you've got uh, enough experience and people recognize that you're a very, very good comedian, they'll throw you some money as well. So that's one more and thing. With- with you know being a comedian and and a poker player, right? Mm-hmm. So when people ask you, you know, Craig, what do you do for a living? And you say, you know, I'm a poker player, but I'm also a comedian. How do people react to that? Um, they usually think I'm bullshitting. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would not make that much money uh, doing stand up. I make about enough money to pay for. Uh, and my paid gigs now I'm getting paid enough so that I can pretty much cover all the uh, travel expenses going to my other gigs in the city which is ideal that's uh-huh. really what I, you're not going to make a lot of money doing stand-up in Vietnam or in Bangkok really so the the goal here is just to get very good at stand-up while you're in Asia and then when you go to the western world again you'll be uh, very sharp and very importantly your material will be much more universal See, the problem with doing stand-up in Scotland is that you uh, you make material and you write material that's going to make Scottish people laugh. You can't do that in Asia because not only are you performing to some Vietnamese people who are the minority in the audiences, but most of the time you're going to be performing in front of Germans, Dutch, Swedish people, Australians, Canadians, Americans. So your 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 act and your material has to... Has to um, be relatable to everyone, you know. Mm-hmm. You can, so I mean, yeah, your your accent is a lot more understandable than what mine's is. Uh, well, that's because so, I've been living in Asia for fourteen months and I've had to uh, pull back all of the uh, all of the Scots in me. So <laughs> otherwise, they won't understand a fucking word you're saying. So, <laughs> and did did you tr- did you struggle with that when you first went over? Yeah. There? Well, I mean. I mean, I knew what to expect. I knew that I had to try and enunciate as best I can and speak slower to these people because they, you know, not only do they not speak English very well, but like their sort of um, exposure to the Scottish accent in particular is very, very limited, of course. So, um, yeah, it was a little bit of a tricky. Sometimes, like I would order something and then they would get my order slightly wrong, and that's just you just kind of have to shrug your shoulders and get on with it. So, yeah, not a huge problem with. With you, I know you're saying you're you're more of a a nester, not really a traveller. Yeah. You know, the thing is, you you know, you've 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 taken a massive step in travelling to another place and then oh, decided absolutely. to settle down there. So when when you've you know you've you've went to about two parts of Thailand and then obviously into Vietnam. Yeah. As well as your visa runs that you <laughs> you referred to, um, mm. but you know when when you've been in Asia there must be at one point you know and it's quite a a common thing I ask you know people that come on the podcast that there must be one moment where you've went and you stood back and you've went holy shit like this is amazing like yeah there's been a few a a breathtaking moment oh absolutely one of the moments that sticks out in my head uh was at new year when I was uh I was on the rooftop that was on top of the comedy club that I was performing at in Bangkok. And it was me, the comedians that had been performing that night and a lot of the audience members who were in the uh, the comedy show for that night. 
had went up went up for like this was at you know half past eleven quarter to quarter to midnight, and we were up on the rooftop, and then uh, it did hit midnight, and then just massive fireworks display, everyone just cheering it like that that especially in Asia and especially just seeing uh, so much like so many people from all over the world just coming together and just like letting go of all their sort of uh, worries in life and just like celebrating the new year, taking everything in, everyone cheersing everyone, whether it's, you know, a German guy and a Thai guy or a Kiwi and a French person, you know what I mean? Like everyone just coming together, forgetting about all their troubles and everything. No, that was a really, really nice, uh, nice spot to be in. I actually think I've seen... Was it, was there a comedian with you guys that was filming that night? Yeah, yeah, my yeah. Yes, yeah. So I seen that video and I seen oh, you, nice. you know, on the, the rooftop. If anybody wants to see that video, it is available on Facebook. Is it? Yeah. Is it Facebook? Yeah. Um, and they can find that on. Have you got like a a, a stand up, you know, page or is it just? Yeah, really I do have a stand up page. It's just my name. It's Craig Craw is the stand up page. If you just look at pages and stuff, uh, it'll be on there. Brilliant. So, from from most breathtaking moment, mm-hmm. there must be a, a moment that you've you've, you've thought to yourself, "Why have I done this?" Oh you know, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. Uh, there's never really been a moment where I've thought about uh, why have I moved to Asia. But like like I said earlier, uh, there's a level of poverty here that you see sometimes when you go into the wrong places. You see this poverty, and you just you're just taken back by just how these fucking poor people have to live their lives, you know. And so yeah. uh, every time I've walked into down an alleyway of a very poor area of uh, uh, Vietnam, and I've just uh, seen inside these poor people's houses and seeing some of the living conditions and stuff, it's just very, uh, uh, it's very very. I don't know what the word is, but it's it's very very sad. But at the same time, it just it makes you realize just how lucky you were to have been born in, in the right part of the world, you know? Because, like, that's the yeah. thing. A lot of people, another great thing about living in, in this part of the world is that a lot of people who, who are living in the rich world, like Scotland, America, or whatever, they're very sad because they don't uh, they don't have the lives of someone like, I don't know, Dan Bilzerian or whatever that has extreme wealth and <laughs> wants it all the time. They don't have that life, so they get to feel very sad because they think that they have a bad life because they don't have millions and millions of dollars and ferraris and whatever but uh like after seeing what i have seen in thailand and vietnam like if i ever do go back to scotland or if i go and relocate to permanently to like ireland or new zealand or one of those kind of places in the world like i will never ever think that sort of uh you know that sort of quote-unquote middle class life in the western world is a bad life because it's simply not you know yeah i mean have you ever been you know you're talking about you know walking down alleyways and my first thought was Fuck, man! Why is why is he doing that? Like, why would you? Why would you oh, well, put yourself is, in that not, situation? They're, like they're not they're they're not violent. They're like uh, if you go in the touristy areas, there are some. There's a, a lot of beggars here, and there are some pickpockets and stuff. But if you just go into this like, the alleyway, uh, in in uh, in one of the, the Vietnamese cities, I'm not I'm not like I'm not responsible if someone does this and gets uh gets something bad happens to them. But in my experience is Vietnamese people they're not gonna they're not going to mess with you. They really, they're, yeah. they're just not. They're very, very friendly, kind people. Sometimes in these little alleyways, there's little like um, makeshift restaurants that people have made and, and like they're sort of uh, 
bottom floor of their house like all the it'll be like a family run thing where they all sleep upstairs and then instead of like having a kitchen they basically just turn their kitchen into a restaurant for people to go and eat some noodle soup or whatever so there's reasons for people to walk down those alleyways yeah yeah have you ever felt have you ever felt scared at all i ever like, felt scared ever... um have i ever felt scared uh um no like i mean so yeah well okay so i've been in a couple of motorbike crashes that uh, didn't uh, uh, they didn't end too badly, but like yeah, just thinking like uh, out of nowhere, like five seconds you're on the back of a motorbike taxi being taken to your uh, being taken to your gig or whatever destination you need to go to, and then everything's fine. You're looking at your phone, or whatever. And the next minute you look up and uh, that motorbike uh, is about to crash into another motorbike, and yeah, you just kind of get that panicky shiver down your spine as soon as the the bikes collide even though you jump off the bike at the last second so you don't get uh you don't get uh, smacked or whatever <laughs> and what about like um scams so have you ever you know been oh, scammed yeah. or, or like, seen... uh, oh yeah one of the reasons i don't drink anymore is because and this isn't a very this is a very very embarrassing story right but uh i, I may as well I, what do i have to lose by telling this okay so um <laughs> So basically, uh, you know, like uh, uh, Thailand, especially known for having a lot of prostitutes, right? Huh? Okay. So I was in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and I was out in a night out uh, with my friends and whatever. We were at this very grim nightclub. And then like, uh, I had decided that I was just going to go and uh, go home myself. It's like, guys, I'll just go get a taxi. I'll, I'll just head out. And like, oh, yeah, fine. No worries, Greg. And then so I met this girl standing outside the nightclub and I just kind of thought she was just kind of hot or whatever, right? So I thought she was like a, one of the working girls. And I was, you know, I was very drunk at this point. And so I just kind of got into a taxi with her. But instead of taking me to my, to my house, they took me to this like other bar where uh, she just kind of like uh, got me to buy like loads of drinks and stuff without really re- me realizing that instead of like a, a hooker, she was actually like a... a commission girl or whatever for this new bar and so i ended up spending like uh i don't know like a hundred whatever like more than what i was expecting to pay that night and i didn't even get her to come home with me so that's a very embarrassing story but i don't drink anymore so silver lining or whatever like lesson learned that's me off the booze so so you know when when you're you know you're talking about money there yeah you know and you, you, you and you say you play you know online poker yeah you must have been at points where you know you've had a big loss or something like that, or, or also you know like where you have spent a bit too much money and you know how do you how do you kind of recover from that? How do you? Well, no, it's like one of the good. Well, uh, I'll tell you exactly how to recover for it. You you uh, limit your spending. Like I was saying, uh, uh, okay, so in Thailand it's a little bit more. I think the average wage in Thailand is about four hundred pounds a month. I would guess. Yeah, I think that's uh-huh. about right. So 350, 400 pounds a month is the average wage for uh, a regular person in Thailand. And um, uh, and yeah, in Vietnam, it's a little bit more than 200 pounds a month. So, and I'm not saying uh, be that extreme. And like, if you're like a Westerner, you, you don't, don't try and live like uh, a normal Vietnamese person because you probably won't, uh, won't do a very good job of it. But um, uh, like, for example... Nobody cooks in Vietnam. Nobody cooks in Vietnam because eating out is so cheap. Like I go to this all-you-can-eat buffet that's like fifty meters away from my house every single like afternoon, and it's uh-huh. fifty thousand. 
It's 50,000 for the all-you-can-eat buffet. And it's, it's really, really nice. Really, really nice staff. Everything's perfect. It's got all the food you can want. It's a vegetarian buffet, which is not a big problem for me. I'll just go get some meat. Uh, I'm not a big meat eater, but when I do eat meat, it's like, uh, whatever. I can, I can survive off like uh, vegetarian food. So this vegetarian buffet uh, is 50,000 Vietnam dong, uh, and you can eat as much as you want. And 50,000 Vietnam dong is like, I want to say like one pound sixty, one pound seventy. So if, if you were very, if you were, uh, if you were in need of money and you just had to like really watch what you were spending, what a lot of people have been doing now, especially because a lot of the English teachers, the they don't have any money coming in because of all the, the coronavirus, they've just closed all the schools, right? So huh? what a lot of people are doing is they're going to this uh, all-you-can-eat buffet once a day, paying one pound seventy, and then just eating four or five plates of food and maybe a one and a half hour session and then they just paid for all their food for one pound seventy and they didn't have That's... to cook anything or clean any plates so you, you can't really argue with that though can you no you, you can't know, like, like yeah home, food, food, food and uh, food is food accommodation transport in this part of the world are so so much cheaper than uh than back home the only thing that is more expensive here are like um certain types of brands like uh, that you might miss like a pint of ben and jerry's here in vietnam is like 12 pound whereas back home it's like a fiver but other than that like everything's cheaper here so with your sisters and that coming out you know have you asked them to bring specific things out for you from no from I, get, I mean i'm not like uh, i mean it's I did. I get. I got my parents when my parents came to visit me in Bangkok. I got them to uh, bring me a big bottle of Iron Brew, so that was nice of them. But I mean, yeah, uh, like honestly, like uh, there's so many things I like to do. Like uh, the food here is like so good that I don't miss uh, the food from back home that much, honestly. Especially when you, especially Scotland. Scotland's uh, not known for having the best diet or the most. You know what I mean? Like uh, we're stereotyped <laughs> not have a very good diet. And you don't really realize just how bad the Scottish diet is until you go and live in another country as yeah. a much cleaner, much more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Exciting cuisine as well. That, uh, yeah, you don't miss deep fried Mars bars or tatty scones that much, actually, when you, go, when you do go here. <laughs> I think I would definitely miss black pudding, but outside of that, you know. Well, uh, if you like black pudding, let me tell you, Vietnam's got some, uh, not quite black pudding, but black pudding-esque uh, uh, meats that you can try for certain. They eat everything here. All right. Okay. Yeah. Um. So from from your you know you're traveling. Yeah. You've kind of touched on it before. What what do you want from from jumping place to place? You know what what do you want? Uh, I want to experience the world. I want to I want to see a lot of it. You know, there's parts of the world I've got no interest in seeing, like. Uh, sort of Central Asian countries like Turkmenistan, Tajikistan, Kyrgyzstan, like those kind of places don't interest me very much, but pretty much everywhere else in the world, yeah, I'd like to go and see. Okay. Um, how many countries have you visited, you know, in total uh, well, throughout? Before I answer this question, I want to I wanna make it clear that uh, if you do want to travel or whatever, don't let it be a contest to see who's visited the most amount of countries. It's not like, for example, uh, I've only been to two countries so far in Asia. I've only been to uh, Thailand and Vietnam. Uh, I'm going to uh, Hong Kong, I believe, as long as the coronavirus doesn't shut off all the airports there. Uh, I'm going to Hong Kong for my next visa run in May. 
so that'll be a good experience but uh yeah i've been to germany i've been to uh spain been to portugal been to america been to canada been to australia been to uh czech republic been to the netherlands um yeah that's i think that's it but yeah like i was saying uh it's absolutely not a contest do not feel like uh you need to go to places if you've got really no interest in seeing them is what i would say make sure yeah. you spend and more time well, to just pack it off yeah yeah exactly there's no point in just going to a place just to take it off you should be experiencing a place because you want to experience it but uh, yeah I've, I've not seen everywhere in the world yet but i've been to a good few places very lucky because like a vietnamese person a, a standard working class vietnamese person is lucky if they ever get to see lao and that's a short bus ride away whereas like virtually everyone i know in scotland has at least seen some part of europe maybe it just be spain or uh portugal or greece or whatever most people have been somewhere yeah no, i mean i thought uh, yeah, totally going yeah, going somewhere is not like a, going anywhere in the world. Pretty much is not like a pipe dream for them. Like they could, like Australia is the other side of the world. It's far from a pipe dream to ever go there for most UK people. Like if they want to go there, they can just save up, you know, stop drinking for one year, and then the money you'll save up for not going out is like your plane ticket there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when I when I talk about travel, you know, or, or for me holidays. You know, when it comes to it, the, the place always comes up as Spain, you know, and yeah. I'm, I'm starting to get to the point now where I'm like, bored of Spain. <sighs> yeah, the, we've done mainland Spain, we've done the Canary Islands, yeah. we're visiting, we're visiting, uh, we're going there twice this year actually, so we're going to Fuerteventura, then we're going to Gran Canaria, mm-hmm. um, and I've not been to any of the two places, which will be, which will be a new experience, but, yeah. you know, and now the wee ones getting a bit older, I want to start reaching out to these different places and, and going, you know, to you know, the other side of the world, you know. Yeah. Going to, like, your Thailands. Oh, especially I, Thailand. Like, you see, I think Vietnam is a little bit less developed than Thailand, so it might not be as family-friendly for most people, but Thailand especially, so family-friendly. You've no, like, no idea how you get there. It's so safe. People are so welcoming, so nice. You've got absolutely no trouble bringing your daughter there. And like I said, she'll get to experience new foods, new culture that she's never seen before. So it'll be exciting yeah. for her and for you guys as well because it's a fantastic place. So where's where's next for you? Uh, well, my next visa run is going to be uh, Hong Kong, probably. And uh, it's really good because I met, I've got a, a friend in Hong Kong who came uh, to Bangkok to do a run of gigs. And I told him that this was going to be my plan to do a run of gig, like to do uh, a visa run to Hong Kong before I go back to Vietnam. So uh, he basically said, yeah, well, give me, give me a shout whenever you're coming to Hong Kong and I'll be sure to put in a good word for all the... Uh, for you to all the guys who run gigs out there. And uh, so, yeah, hopefully I'll get on a lot of mics while I'm in Hong Kong as well, which is always exciting. Because you, when you do, uh, sometimes you get a lot of repeat customers when you do uh, comedy gigs in the same cities. So uh-huh. uh, jokes will be very funny the first uh, time or maybe the second time as well for people. But if you keep doing the same joke over and over, in front of the same people, it's going to get less and less laughs, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, whereas... Um, do, you, do you not find that you can use that same material because of, you know, because it's, 
or do you find a lot of regulars are coming in or do you feel that you can use the same material over and over again because because it, you know you think of when I, and I go back to what I said earlier I think of it as like a traveling community so you know the, the same people don't always come yeah well there's more of that in in Bangkok have you heard of a place called Kalsan Road no okay Kalsan Road is the biggest sort of touristy area in the whole of Asia it's like a, back, a big, massive backpacker street. And so the Kalsan Road, the Kalsan Comedy Club was a comedy club that was set up by comedians uh, who do comedy uh, for uh, primarily tourists that yeah. are on that road looking for a good time that night. So uh, we would perform for them and we would never get repeat customers. So that the good thing about that was that you could really polish up your material to make the uh, to make it as smooth as possible and just, you know, as sharp as possible but the problem was that that um it allowed you to not have to be very pro- prolific and just kind of phone in uh sets all the time instead of really trying to write a lot get as many new jokes in you as possible and just kind of become as best as you can be but when i'm in hanoi i'm performing mostly to expat communities so i'm oh. to try and write a lot and just keep writing keep writing and keep trying new stuff which is uh very exciting and it's very good for me as a comedian as well. How how do you write? How, well, not how do you write. How do you practice your material? How do I practice it? <laughs> how do I practice it? Well, you you yeah. uh, you write something down and then you just kind of. Well, I practice it in the mirror a lot, and I'm kind of uh, when I write when I've got the punchline for a joke, I, I spend a few minutes really trying to make the build up as best as I can, and then I do my best to uh, memorize that that little bit verbatim a lot of guys some guys are very like uh, comedians are very different some people are like um so they'll have the punchline but they don't they don't really care as much to the build-up they just kind of flow into it and it kind of feels more like a conversational kind of trance into the punchline but for me i'm much more of like a joke teller whereas i like i have to remember uh the build-up sentence to the to the joke like as best i can and then i deliver the punchline so it kind of feels like, uh, yeah, that's that's how I that's how I practice. And then uh, if I want to try out these jokes, I will go to the open mic nights that are around uh, around Ho Chi Minh. The uh, yeah, if you want to, you, if you really wanted to do as much comedy as you as you possibly could, you could get on at least you know ten or eleven microphones a week if you wanted to in the city, which is really nice. Yeah, and how do you deal with hecklers? How do I deal with echoes? There's not that many in Hanoi, but um, uh, uh, I'm not a big like. I usually just kind of keep going. Like uh, uh, that, the sort of uh, improvisational sort of crowd work isn't a huge part of my stand up right now. I'd like to get better at it. I- I'd like to get better at it. It's something that I th- think I need to work on. But generally, uh, yeah, you don't get that many hecklers, and sometimes. Okay. You know they'll say something, but if you just carry on, they'll just kind of shut up. And have you ever, have you ever completely, you know, like died on stage? Oh, hundred, ever... like I want to, maybe not hundreds of times, but dozens of times. <laughs> oh, yeah, I have. Every that's the thing. Well, that's the thing that you get into your head when you start doing comedy and it starts going well. You think it's only going to go up when, in reality, there's going to be times when you're just going to absolutely bomb. You're just going to absolutely eat shit, and it's just going to be horrible. But it's just <laughs> part of the game. If you we have a saying that if you're not dying, you're not trying. So, all right. Yeah, I suppose it's the best way to learn. You know. Yeah, uh, absolutely. 
you learn from that because you, you know you set yourself I don't want to ever be in that situation again yeah yeah absolutely I mean you will be but you, you say that to yourself and it, it just kind of uh, never a failure always a lesson kind of thing you know so what, what's the funniest joke that you've ever heard? What's the funniest? Uh, my favourite joke is uh, in the Anthony Jeselnik Fire in the Maternity Ward special. I won't ruin the punchline for you, but it's uh, it's uh, the joke is about a, a couple phone calls. But um, uh, a good joke that I heard recently from someone else is, uh, what's the difference between a lentil and a chickpea? <laughs> I don't know. I've never had a lentil on my face. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm not going to take credit for that because it's not my joke. But whatever. No, but still, that's a good one. Good. good. <laughs> um, so, do you think you'll uh, do you think you'll ever stop traveling? Do I think? Yeah. Uh, I mean. Um, if I live till I'm 75, I don't think I'm going to be doing visa runs to. Uh, Hong Kong or whatever to live in uh, Hanoi, but uh, yeah, I'm, I could see myself. I could see myself when I'm in my seventies or eighties or whatever. If I'm, if I'm still alive, then to be more sort of settled back into Scotland or whatever. But certainly in my prime, in my prime years when I'm twenty five years old, like fucking hell yeah, I want to see a lot of the world. Do you know what I mean? And comedy is going to allow me to comedy and poker. And I've got another few things that are on the on the back burner that I'm going to try and work on soon. That uh, yeah, if I can create money while I'm moving around and while I'm traveling, why the hell wouldn't I want to go and uh, see the world? Do you know that was the thing? Like I, I only played poker for years, and yeah, I never really traveled when mm-hmm. I absolutely should have. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, you like you say, you can kind of do that from anywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, as long as you've got like an internet connection. Mm-hmm. You know, you, yeah, I don't see any reason why you can't. Um, so the next part I kind of want to move on to is, is normally I would get my, my daughter to ask a question um, or, or give you a question from her on, on her behalf. Okay. Um, so the one I told her that I was speaking to a comedian today, so you know you, you know what's going to come. So she wants to hear a joke. Okay. Hmm. Try to think of one that's uh, friendly to an eight-year-old. Uh, is your daughter eight? Uh, five. Oh god, even worse. Um... <laughs> okay. You know, I, I I can I can tell her one, but why don't you just tell us one? Okay. Uh, so uh, a pie in Jamaica cost one one dollar. But a pie in the Bahamas costs two dollars. Those are the pie rates of the Caribbean. <laughs> yes, uh, that's just, that's about this. That's all I can really tell her. Um, <laughs> what about for us? Have you got one for the listeners? Uh, okay, guys. Since moving to Vietnam, uh, no, actually, I won't tell that one. Okay, um, guys, the most depressing thing about living in Vietnam is seeing all of these young, beautiful Vietnamese girls that are willing to date bald, 
fat guys that are 20 years older than them just so that they can avoid being approached by me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so the next part is kind of like a, a story time. Um, but for you, I think it would maybe be, I, I don't know, you, I'll give you the option, right? So you can take us on a journey, all right, and, and tell us in detail about, you know, when you've arrived in one place and, you know, where you think it, people should really go. Or I'll give you the option to do a couple of minutes of stand-up. Okay, I'll take the first option, um, especially given on how, how my earlier joke went. Um <laughs> Yeah, so my favorite place, uh, so I've only been to five places in the whole of uh, in the whole of my Asia experience so far. Like I've been to Chiang Mai, Thailand. I've been to Bangkok. I've been to Saigon or Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. And I have been to Hanoi, Vietnam. But uh, I've never seen any beach or anything despite being in uh, Southeast Asia for 14 months. But one of the places that I did go to was a place called Pai in Thailand. And yeah, it was just the most beautiful little little mountain town I've ever seen in my life. Definitely. It's very, very touristy, very popular with hippies as well. Because you, it's like one of the places in, in Thailand that's you, it's very easy to get a lot of drugs. So there's a lot of hippies there, but you, know, you don't need to do drugs there to have a good time. Like the scenery and everything there is very relaxing. So if there's one place uh, in Thailand that I would definitely recommend people make uh, make space in their trip for to go see would definitely be Pai up in the north. You, you pretty much need to go to Chiang Mai to get there because so, you can't fly from Bangkok to Pai. You need to fly, uh, fly from Bangkok to Chiang Mai and then get a three-hour bus up uh, from Chiang Mai to Pai. But it's definitely worth it. It's honestly the nicest place I've ever seen in my entire life. So tell us in a bit more detail what what kind of makes that the the, the place for the that people need to go. Uh, sorry. Can you tell us just in a bit more detail? You know, like what why this place means so much okay. to you? Like yeah, well, just for, a bit about what you did there. Can I? Yeah, well, uh, so it's like like light pollution, right? Light pollution is like a huge thing in cities. Like you just can't see when you look up at night, you just can't see anything, but there's like no, no real light pollution in this place. So like you look up at night and you just see all the stars and just everything. And that's a really good thing to see, especially when you've just eaten some mushrooms. And, uh, yeah, like I took my friend, my friend, I didn't mention this earlier, but my, my old childhood friend, uh, came to visit me back in November and I took him to uh, Bangkok, and then I showed him Chiang Mai, and then I took him up to Pai. And just the experience that we had when we were in Pai was like really great because it's like, uh, you know how in Southeast Asia everyone drives motorbikes. Uh huh. Okay. Well, uh, if you've never driven a motorbike before, you definitely should not drive a motorbike in Hanoi or Bangkok because it's so busy and you'll definitely get into an accident, right? But uh, in a place like Pai, where it's only a few thousand people. The roads are very, very um, empty, and so it's like a great place to like drive a motorbike for the first time. So my friend got on a motorbike, and we drove drove all the way to uh, a lot of the touristy spots around in the surrounding areas. And it's just yeah, it's just an amazing like place to be for a few days, just taking in all the scenery and just yeah, be, being 
being in real Thailand as well, like uh, Bangkok, especially when you go to the touristy areas in Bangkok, it just doesn't like it's just it's pretty grim, honestly. Like that's that's my biggest advice when people go when people go traveling to like big cities and stuff. My advice would be get like maybe spend some time in the touristy areas, but also like go outside of the the touristy areas and even just go to the expat areas and just go there and just see the real the real part of like the city that you just won't see when you're only uh, in that little condensed, very touristy area. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Um. So. I've got a couple of kind of quick fire questions for you now. All right. All right. Um, so I'll kind of go through them with you. Um, and then what we'll do is I've got a couple of questions that have came from uh, from followers on Instagram. Oh, perfect. Um, and what we'll do is we'll give them to you and then we can, and then it's kind of really time to wrap up after that. Oh, nice. Um, so let's just get started. So quick fire questions. Craig, hometown. Falkirk, Scotland. When you travel, what is your travel essentials? Travel essentials, uh, a book for the plane, uh, an extra charger for your uh, phone or your iPad or something as well. Okay. Uh, your favorite food? Favorite food. Uh, does coffee count? Uh, no. No. Favorite food. I'm going to say donuts. <laughs> Okay. Um, favorite country you've traveled to? Favorite country I've traveled to? I liked Germany, man. Germany, uh, just the experiences that I had there were really fun. But uh, I would guess I'd probably say Vietnam now. Okay. Um, I've caught myself out with the quick fire questions here. Um, how do you relax when you're traveling? Uh, with a good book and a coffee shop. Okay. Uh, favorite song? Uh, so I listen to mainly German gangster rap, but uh... <laughs> are, you, are you serious? You've been serious? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Do you understand it? Uh, majority of it, yes. I speak pretty decent German. It's quite funny because I've got a friend at work, um, and he talks about like you know when he hangs out with his friends, he listens to French reggae. French and I'm reggae. Like, yeah, like, I didn't even know that was Honestly, a genre. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. Experience other parts. Like, go and listen to like, uh, you know, art from other places in the world. It's like so easy to get caught in this sort of like, you uh, for us uh, like UK and like America only kind of culture or whatever. You know, go and like listen to some stuff that's being uh, being made uh, in other parts of the world. You, oh, you trust me, I do. You'd ask anyone in my team at work. You know that. I always give them recommendations for for things to listen to, and not and they're like, "Where do you get this stuff from?" I'm like, mm. "Well, I just go to the random charts throughout the world and listen to their kind of music." And yeah, no, it's honestly it's a great way to experience uh, other cultures without traveling. But uh, an English song, uh, honestly, I, I I have a spot, I have a soft spot for "Born This Way" by Lady Gaga because I just think it's a very important song that had to be made. So, okay, um, favorite artist. Favorite artist, uh, Vincent Van Gogh. <laughs> I'm laughing because I meant like musical uh, artist. I, I know what you meant. I was just trying to be funny. 
okay. Um, yeah, we'll go Lady Gaga. <laughs> okay. Um, favorite drink? Favorite drink, coffee. I don't drink alcohol anymore after that uh, incident in Chiang Mai, as I said. <laughs> uh, favorite movie? Favorite movie. God. Um, do stand-up specials count? Uh, yeah, I'll go. I'll let you off with that one. Okay. Uh, uh, Louis C.K. Uh, Louis C.K. stand-up specials generally, but uh, okay. yeah, standalone no, no, movie. No. If I, I was to say a standalone movie, I like Reservoir Dogs a lot. Okay, um, I know you're speaking about Netflix and things like that earlier. So, favorite TV show or season? And this one can't be stand-up. Okay, Rick and Morty. Oh, I love it. Good. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> do you do any impressions? No, I'm a terrible impressionist. Absolutely terrible. Let us hear your Rick. Uh, okay, Morty, here we are. That's about it. I don't do impressions, man. I probably should. I probably should. Let, I know a comedian who lives in China, and he's really, really good at impressions. But so I maybe should, if I ever get the chance to speak with them, I hopefully get some tips off of him. Because uh, if you can do impressions, not specifically of other people, but uh, of other accents from around the world, it it can be very beneficial. Like if you watch a lot of Kevin Bridges and Frankie Boyle, they do a lot of. Uh, accents from uh during in their jokes sometimes they'll uh if they are trying to do a joke of like an english person they'll put on an english accent no <laughs> See, i'm like I, I love walking about the house and i'm like that morty morty that's like, pretty good a lot better than mine like a morty um good i do that as well it's a very funny show do you so you said right okay do you speak any other languages but you already know sort of that one german yeah. So give us a wee bit of German. Uh, my name is Craig. I come out Schottland, but Deutsch speak ich ziemlich gut. All right, translate it. Uh, my name is Craig. I come from Scotland, but I speak pretty good German. Okay. Um, you could you could do like a German promo for me, like, "Hi, I'm Craig, and welcome to the Static Traveler." Like, you know, like. Tell okay. people to listen to the cast in German. Hello, uh, ich bin Craig. Willkommen uh, zu the Static Traveler podcast. Uh, what else? <laughs> no, that's that's fine. Let's just move on. <laughs> okay. Um, right, so I've got a couple of questions from, uh, from Instagram here, as I said earlier. Um, so I've got two from from quite a regular listener. Um, he sends in quite a lot of questions, or she. Sorry, I don't really know. Um, Acuvet India. So the first one is: Do you like tea or coffee? Coffee. I like tea as well, but coffee. Okay. Especially in Vietnam, uh, the coffee here is amazing. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, we've also got another one from them, which is quite funny uh, because you're a comedian. So who's your favorite comedian? I like Louis. The more Louis C.K. I watch of his stand-up, I think he's probably not uh, not the greatest person in the world. If you follow what uh, what um, he's meant of been accused of doing to women or whatever, but uh, uh, setting that aside, his stand-up is probably the best I've ever seen. The more the more Louis C.K. I watch, the more I'm convinced he's the greatest stand-up comedian of all time. But um, as far as guys that don't masturbate in front of women or whatever, then. Uh, uh, I'd probably say I like Anthony Jeselnik a lot because he's uh, he's 
uh, very, very dry, very deadpan comic, and I like that a lot. But uh, another uh, one of the unsung heroes of stand-up comedy is uh, a guy called Rory Scovel. Like he's got a Netflix special called Rory Scovel Try Stand Up for the First Time, and it's just the fucking funniest thing I've seen in so long. It's hilarious. I like. Uh, uh, have you heard of a guy called Joe Wilkinson? No. He's he's on eight out of ten cats. He, uh, did you watch um? Did you watch Afterlife? Uh, is that the one with Ricky Gervais? Yeah. Yes. Okay. He he played Postman Pat. Uh, the guy with the beard. Wait now. I'll have a look at. Yeah. Uh, Joel Wilkinson. He, he's a regular on eight out of ten. Eight out of ten cats does countdown and stuff. He's like not like like he's just. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, that guy that guy just cracks me up all the time. I've not seen him do a lot of stand up, but when he's on panel shows and stuff, he just cracks me up. Yeah, he's very like like one line punch kind of thing. Yeah, like, he's also very very yeah. weird, very unusual kind of comedy. I like it a lot. Um, very dry. Yeah. <laughs> um so the next one I've got is from Boogie underscore travels. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what song would you say best sums you up? What song best sums me up? Uh, God, I don't know. I'd have to think about that. Uh, what song best sums me up? I don't know. Um, yeah. We'll go with the fight song by Rachel Platten. I like a really. I'm. I'm. I like a lot of women songs. I like a lot of when women uh, female artists. When I do listen to English music, it's usually always uh, female artists. Okay. Okay. Right. So, um, that's pretty much everything that I've got. Um, first of all, I just want to thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you very much for inviting me. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure to speak to you. And uh, yeah, feel free to invite me back on. Yeah, it was actually my wife that put me on to you. Nice. Uh, Yeah, I I, I knew Heather, yeah. She was at Um, my school. (laughs) Um... So, why don't you give everyone, you know, where they can find your comedy, uh, a couple of, you know, social media outlets, that kind yeah. of thing. Promote so, you. uh, you're going to find me performing stand-up uh, in Hanoi, Vietnam, as of right now. Um, I do have a YouTube channel and I do have a Facebook uh, page and a Twitter account, Instagram and all that. It's just my name, Craig Craw. Uh, I will be uh, very shortly... Um, getting my website together i'm just having it built by someone right now and that'll just be craigcraw.com where you can find uh yeah videos and information about where you can find me next and uh perhaps some blog posts as well if i do get back into writing and your, yeah, your twitter me. and things like that is that all yeah, just twitter, you know, Craig Craw? Yeah. twitter.com uh, slash at craigcraw same with instagram just at craigcraw that's where you can find me perfect yeah um that's brilliant. So um, I just want to remember everyone that we are also on YouTube. We're also on uh, Instagram and Facebook. Please like and subscribe for the videos. Also, you know, share it with all your friends. If you've got any questions, send them in to us uh, or send them in to me. Sorry, I keep saying us. Um, if you can send them in to me via Instagram, it's the underscore static underscore traveler or on Facebook, it's the static traveler um, Facebook page. Uh, you can also email in as well. It's the static traveler at gmail.com. Um, or you can, you know, send me a, a direct message on Instagram or Facebook. Um, 
But Craig, no, thank you very much for coming on. My um, pleasure, mate. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. You know, a great conversation with you. But to everyone out there, you just keep travelling, and I'll stay static. Thank you.